This is for all of our listeners out there. I want to apologize for the length of time it's been between episodes. Uh, but if you haven't heard, we have taken over the United States faux tour and are kicking that into high gear. Uh, combine that with our representation at Captain Con, and it's been a very busy couple of months. Uh, we plan on getting right back on track with this, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. Hello folks, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. Today, we have really a treat in store for you. We are going to talk all about the doctor of death himself, Mr. McMorning, or I Dr. McMorning. Dr. McMorning, in all his many forms. Is he broken? Is he not broken? And uh, all all the fun things that you want to know and that you love to hate about McMorning. And to do that, joining us in studio today uh, is Jeff Mansker and Josh. And Herman is out on baby duty tonight. So we have an awesome guest from our local Maryland area. Jim Dyson joins us from the Baltimore area. You may have heard him on the Other Coast podcast or seen his YouTube channel, James Dyson, the Dice Man. So check him out in either of those places. But uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. You want to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah. Thanks for that introduction. That was great. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. For those of you who do listen to The Other Coast, you'll be aware that we were the ones who previewed Dr. McMorning in Sanitary. And let me tell you, we missed so much on that card. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess we'll get to that later, huh? So before we get into the main topic, we want to take a moment to check in. The three of you all have been participating in this month's Vassal World Series event. And I want to know, how's it going? I'll jump in first if no one you know, is chomping at the bit. Uh, it's been a blast. <clears throat> uh, I don't know about you two, but everyone that I faced in the Vassal World Series has been a true pleasure. Um, I've been running by you this round, and I've been trying out some of the titles. So far... I have tried out Ophelia's title and Ulix's title. Ulix's title is a treat, is a true treat. And for those of you who've tried Ulix one and been less than satisfied, give his pork belly protector form a try. It'll, it's a, it's a lot more engaging with your opponent. That said, I am firmly middle of the pack to uh, bottom part of the standing. So Take everything I say with a grain of salt. Unlike Jim, who is like diversifying and trying out all the new exciting titles, I've just been going balls deep in McMorning 2 this entire tournament, and will probably continue to do so for the rest of this. Uh, you know, sort of like the the 
annual Akaran experience before. Um, I'm currently one in one. Uh, first round of just kiting Fuhatsu around a pillar in the middle of the board, which turned out pretty well, all things considered. Um, and round two, uh, losing by one to Ophelia, being run by you know one of the top Ophelia players in the UK. So uh, I felt pretty good about that one, honestly. Felt pretty good. How about you, Jeff? So I took a completely different stance on this, uh, and I decided that uh, I was going to uh, use this tournament as practice for the February tournament up in uh, uh, Boston. Captain Uh, Con. Captain Con, yeah. Uh, For the Invitational, and I decided I was going to try. I'm not sure which faction I'm bringing, and I decided I was going to test out Arcanists, see how well I do with them in this uh, faction. And or in this tournament, and uh, so far I've only played one game. I played Colette into uh, Leviticus against uh, one of the best players in the world, um, and uh, funny thing, uh, Arcanists don't really do very good against Leviticus. <laughs> it's just not something that they're very good at. He just kind of kills everything, uh, and their defenses of armor don't really help, so uh, I lost that one, and then in the, the, the second round, I got a buy. So, uh, I'm middle of the pack right now, but I've only played one game and uh, it wasn't all that fun, but we'll see how the rest of it goes. As a Leviticus lover, I am glad that he, uh, whoever your opponent was avenged me because our practice game went pretty much the opposite. Yeah, I saw that round one pairing for you and I was like, oof, 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 mm. that's going to be rough. But yeah, if you're if you're a listener and you have not been following the fact that there is this long running uh, World Series event in Vassal, you should definitely check it out. Vassal is awesome. If you want to learn more about Vassal, Jim actually just had an episode uh, a couple weeks ago on the other coast all about Vassal, how you get it, what it's good for, um, why you should give it a try. Uh, so you should definitely check that out. It's called Into the Vassalverse is the name of the episode. Uh, I was actually just listening to that uh, yesterday. So um, I go like check the, it out. I, I like the uh, little intonations that we have with English when you're like, Jim had an episode and you're the first thing that I jump to is like, ah, oh, Jim, you have an episode right now. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> no. well thanks for the shout out yeah so but yeah so speaking of speaking of the other coast the other topic i wanted to briefly touch on in lieu of a 10 minute tech talk this episode was the topic of clocks in malifaux there's been a couple episodes of various podcasts um starting with cody's swamp fiends podcast which is great you should check it out um him sort of musing about why he's interested in trying chess clocks and some ideas for how that could actually work mechanically in a tournament environment. And then a couple episodes of the other coast uh, where Jeff was talking about it and then had Cody on to talk about clocks. Um, I have in the past, back in second edition, I used to play with a clock just for myself, like, keeping track of my own speed as part of practice for tournaments. And I always found it was really valuable to speed up my own play. And I would be very interested to see if 
like for a small local tournament, I would love to try out doing clocks, maybe not even counting towards anything scoring related, but just to gather some data about, you know, how did people like them? What are actual playtime disparities? Um, Cause I, I think it could be really interesting. Um, so I would love, I would love to hear quickly what y'all's takes are. Would you try a clock? Um, if so, why, or if not, why not? Well, be, before you, you get into that, I want to point out, uh, you keep mentioning Cody. Uh, that's uh, Cody Hyatt. He used to be really good in uh, the North Carolina meta, and then he moved down to Florida and fell off the face of the earth, and nobody's ever heard from him since. So uh, shout out. I hate you, Cody. <laughs> oh, uh, but Ed, clocks, Jeff, your opinions? Um, Clocks can serve a purpose, particularly when you play against opponents that take a very long time to make decisions. I've found that when you start getting up to higher tables, uh, so this is kind of a double-edged sword. When you're playing against newer players that take a long time, I don't usually mind because I know I'm usually going to, like at tournaments and things like that, I'm usually just going to beat that person because they're like... You usually know what you're doing when you're an experienced player. You know what you're going to be doing until it gets towards like turns three or four. Then the experienced players take some time to actually think about what they're doing. And like, but like in those times, like you're not wasting time. You can tell that the person's like legitimately thinking through what their next action is going to be because it, the whole game hinges on that. But I think clocks are good in the, for the beginning players to get them into a, a steady rhythm of like, you should have your moves planned. You should be planning to do them and then start taking your time when it comes to like key moments in the actual fight. How about you, Jeff or uh, Josh? Oh, I I don't know if I would want to try them out in a competitive setting. First, I want to just screw around with them to fi- see if I can figure out how to speed up my own play. Uh, I I don't know how you'd structure it to actually use and incorporate a clock into uh, tournament play. I mentally have not had the opportunity to listen to the clock episodes. So uh, if there are brilliant answers in there, please tell me so that I can... You know, spend my Christmas break uh, listening to people pontificate about clocks. I would listen. I would (laughs) check out just to answer that one point. I would definitely check out the most recent other coast episode about clocks that sort of summarizes it. And that's the one that has Cody on it as well. So that I would say that's like, you can listen to the ones leading up to it, but if you're going to do one, I would listen to that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But shout out. Hate you, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) But over to you, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it is a useful tool to consider. You know, as far as a like a summary, there there are a couple schools of thought on it. You, you got to be on the same page with your opponent to start off. I mean, if both players go into a game with the intent of trying a clock, it's going to work better than if you're sitting there with your chess clock slapping it, you know, every time cuz it can you know, if so if you're not coming at the game from the perspective of trying to speed up and using the clock, I think it kind of falls apart a little bit. As far as the mechanics of it, you got to be a little permissive because yes, there's a lot of back and forth. And the biggest criticism I hear about using clocks is, well, do you flip it over when you're going to decide to cheat? Do you flip it over if I'm going to use this ability? You know, you could flip, priority if you want to call it that 
umpteen times between, you know, two models. And if you just take a moment and go, you know, just take a few seconds and say like, Hey, you can think. And if you're starting to take an excessive amount of time, then flip it over. Cause I think that's really the concern is when you're in an event and you have a set amount of time for your round and your opponent is taking a very long time to make decisions. You know, maybe they just need a long time to make decisions. Cody does talk about in some of his episodes, and I'm cribbing all of my content from Swamp Fiends at this point. You want to practice games. You want your practice games and your competitive games to be similar in that you're not being a, you know, a, cutthroat jerk face in either, but you're going to approach your Friday night gaming the same way you would approach a tournament setting so that you're not taking an incredible amount of time. It's that whole, you fall to the level of your training. You don't rise to the occasion moment. If that makes sense. Yeah. Practice how you want to play. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. No, that makes total sense to me. And I think the, the part that for me was so interesting is that like using a clock acknowledges that time is one of the resources at play in the game. And like all things equal, you as a player probably want to take as much time as possible to optimize things. But if you want to have sort of a, a fair match, both players should roughly have about half the time so like by making it a more explicitly measured thing it can help it can help a player who maybe is taking a while speed up but also just prevent one player from consuming all of that resource uh, and then their opponent not necessarily having time to actually execute their their game plan so i i would definitely like to try it i don't want i don't think the first place I want to try it is in a tournament setting, um, unless it was more just sort of exhibition, try it out. Uh, but but definitely interested. And I know Vassal, um, in their 3.6 release, added the ability to implement chess clocks in the game. It's not in the Malifaux uh, mod yet, but I'd be very curious to see that uh, added and... Uh, be able to give it a try. You can turn it on in the in the Malifaux mod. I don't know if your opponent can swap it back and forth or if you're just going to be slapping it yourself. Uh, but I have that mod installed. E- easy, buddy. Let's not talk about slapping it yourself on this podcast. Uh, too late. Too late. Um, and the issue I, I, I tried it out once, uh, didn't have great results with it because I was had to close down Vassal halfway through. And uh, it, that just completely deletes your clock timing off to that point. Mm, um, yeah. But pr- I think I'm going to going to try it out myself for round three to see how, how the timing on things works out, particularly when I have a master that does occasionally have very intricate uh, single activations. Yeah, a master like McMorning, perchance? Perhaps, perhaps exactly McMorning. Well, all right. Well, we want to hear all about that, but why don't we jump to a quick break and then when we come back, tell us all about those crazy, intricate McMorning activations. Yay. 
right, welcome back. All right, we are now into our main topic, and that is hearing all about the experimental crew. So before we jump into any models, any specific rules, Josh, give us the elevator pitch. What is cool about experimental? Why would I want to try to play experimental? So break this up into OD McMorning and new McMorning. Uh, some similarities, some overlap between what they do, but uh, some fundamental differences that make New McMorning so much more exciting than OG. Uh, original McMorning, famed for his ability to just power through defensive features on your opponent's crew. Armor, hard to wound, shielded, hard to kill. He just rips through models that rely on that. He'll take him to task and take him down very easily. Stat 7, plies injured, high damage. Great. Um, the downside is that once you get past the big boss man himself, his crew is really just not that great. He himself doesn't provide a great deal of support for it other than a little bit of poison, maybe a push, and maybe some card draw. Um, and the rest of his crew is models with really trash defenses that rely on sort of big heals and hard to wound to stay alive. Decent wound count, terrible stat line. Garbage defenses pretty much across the board. And you're relying on poison stacking, using uh, perverse metabolism, using uh, dumping big poison onto them so that they can heal to keep them alive. Which, uh, varying degrees of success, reasonably easy to counter. Um, and also, he doesn't really do stuff that wins the games. If I had to say what was just stellar about the new version of McMorning in Sanitary is that pretty much his entire card is just covered with the things that win the games. He's more of a support master in this, but he can put on buffs, he can debuff, he's great at resource generation, he's great at scheming, counter-scheming, uh, keeping his crew alive, uh, giving them both passive and active support. The, the net effect of this is that you end up with one of the sort of the deepest masters in Malifaux, in my opinion. This has a incredibly high skill ceiling associated with this and a lot of variability and variety that you can put into his crew. The deepest master in Malifaux. That is, that is high praise uh, there, Josh. So the, if I'm hearing you correctly, experimental as a keyword, you're like all... All the other models are are there to kind of occupy your opponent while the boss man does stuff. Is that the gist? There in original experimental, his stuff was high wound count, low defense, which meant that if you brought a lot of min three damage, their hard to wound and healing no longer really mattered because you could still take about in three hits. You take out one of his, his eight stone models in three hits with a min three attack, pretty much no problem. And that was like a huge drawback to, to trying to play his crew. You bring these expensive fancy models and they just they just get cleared out. Uh, New McMorning gets around that through a variety of different ways. Uh, he mitigates their weaknesses, accentuates their strength, and ups their, their scheming and support game to just new levels uh the flip side he himself is less of a 
a one-man army than he used to be. He relies on his crew a lot more, which honestly, if you think about it, it's kind of a good thing. You know, he's a support master. He's a good doctor. He helps out his crew, makes it all better, and makes the whole crew just function like a well-oiled machine. Interesting. And so I think another key thing to take away that is also, unlike many Rezor Masters, this is not going to be a summoning crew. Oh, actually, hmm. Funny you should mention that. (laughs) Or wait, or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, New McMorton could do, well, everything, I think is what they say. New McMorton could do everything. It's like the what McMorning 2 brings to the table allows for both a fully in keyword, highly functional, very effective crew, or taking some select out of keyword models that that have abilities that sort of accentuate what the McMorning what McMorning 2 brings to the table. So you have that variety. You have a lot more crew building options. You're not tied to your keyword and you're not dependent on uh, out of keyword models. You can mix and match both to really bring a wide variety of crews that, that leverage pretty much everything that Rezzers have to offer. So why don't we... So it sounds to me as though you're generally a fan of New McMorning. I have heard, though, some grumbling on the internet about this New McMorning. And how? Yeah, and... And specifically, one little ability on him called plastic surgery. You want to talk about what that is? What's the controversy? Uh, Is it busted or not? What's the rundown there? Oh, plastic surgery. Uh, What people like to highlight as the most absurd part of his his card. Um, So y'all are familiar with Oh, mimic powers. Powers that let you do, have have a model duplicate another ability uh, on another model's card. Stuff like uh, Agent 46 and the Doppelganger have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mimics. The the people that are, are, are mimics. Sorry, I'm throwing that out there. M- mimics going to mimic. Um, plastic surgery lets you do that, but instead of having the model with the ability plastic surgery instead of McMorning necessarily getting the power, he, it lets you staple powers from one model onto an entirely different model. So you can take uh, the attack action from one model and paste it onto a, another model in your crew that gets access to everything in it. Uh, it's really not hard to see why this could be a tricky ability to balance. And sure enough, kind of is. Uh, it's it allows you to take some of the awesome Rezzer attacks that are in fact on the, the experimental crew and uh, tack them onto more models in your crew. You know, the iconic example for this being the Rogue Necromancy. Uh, that's an awesome melee attack, stat six with a positive flip, good triggers, uh, a repeat trigger on another target with pouncing strike. Um, yeah, you can just give that to anyone. You can just give it to McMorning. You can give it to McMorning, who can stone for the suit. You can give it to nurses, who can tools for the job for the suit. Uh, and then just have them go to town. So, theoretical... The theoretical maximum, I think, is you can get eight attacks out of it if you have a model with fast and flurry uh, and able to just land all those crows or all those uh, masks or stone for the suits. Eight attacks around. It's pretty solid. All right, well... 
So, Josh, that sounds like an interesting elevator pitch for this. Um, tell us, why don't we talk a little bit more in detail about about McMorning and his cards? We won't go through every ability um, or every action, but like, are there any particular standout actions? Um, do you want to start with OG McMorning, New McMorning? What's your preference? I can do just the the broad comparison between OG and New McMorning. And the real notable comparison between the two is that New McMorning is a lot squishier than Old McMorning. He doesn't have the healing. He doesn't have hard to wound. His only actual defensive tech is like disguised in perverse metabolism. So he is, he's definitely more vulnerable, but he's a little faster. Uh, Definitely more scheming. Um, The, Profound ability differences uh, between OG and New McWarning, the one that lets him really support his crew, uh, comes in two forms. That's the Horrendous Corpse, which lets, which basically makes models that have a lot of poison on them explode into more corpses and more poison. So you can multiply the corpses that are on the board uh, much more handily uh, and spread around poison, which is great for a crew filled with perverse metabolism. Uh, but the real standout, the one that everyone loves, uh, and by everyone, I mean McMorning 2 players, uh, is reduce, reuse, and recycle. That is 100% the engine that makes McMorning 2 go. This, instead of whenever you remove a corpse marker, or a strategy marker, or indeed any non-blast marker, uh, you get to have a choice of either replacing that marker on within a two inch aura of McMorning or drawing a card. Uh, so you now have resource generation just in spades. Oh, I just um, wanted to chime in real quick. Once you had finished your bit on the, uh, on reduce, reuse the cycle. Do you not feel the absence of field testing with McMorning too? Because starting with, two poison on all of your experimental models seems like a very solid way that he, that McMorning one supports his crew. So you do in many cases feel that loss of, of initial poison. Uh, and McMorning two is worse at spreading poison around his crew, but in a practical sense, that poison two is really more like poison one because unless you're going up against super aggro crews, or indeed being the super aggro crew, you're going to have less collision with your opponent on the first turn. So by the time you get it, uh, you've chewed through one of uh, half the poison that he put up already. Mm. Uh, and McMorning 2 has a number of ways to spread poison around the crew, and the new model, the Corpse Curator, also helps with spreading poison around the crew. So I have missed it less. There's I do get less healing out of it, but mm-hmm. it's not—it's uh, not really making too much of uh, an impact on the game, in my opinion. Okay. But uh, horrendous corpse—the explosion from a model that has uh, poison three or more on it—applies uh, poison within a two-inch pulse of it. So um, you can set it up to trigger that on turn one to hit your models as well. So then you're honestly halfway to uh field testing so 
like I said, I don't feel it as much uh, as you'd think of not having that big AOE burst of poison. When I mentioned you can use Rafkin too, I mean, you generally, I've always seen when I played against McMorning, turn one, and you'll get to this in the unpack, I guess, but turn one is a lot of Rafkin tossing poison bombs on your own guys, right? Uh, that's, that, that is an approach for McMorning one. It's honestly real bad. It is. Yeah? Okay. Rafkin is really bad. Like, he's a bad model. Wait, I would. You're saying that a model that spends its entire activation not leaving your deployment zone turn one and forcing you to cheat cards for TNs to give yourself a resource that you can give yourself in other easier ways is bad? Shocker, I know, right? Wait, like, hold, hold on. on. I'm going to counter the exact description that you just gave and say, Meredith Stanley says you're wrong. But yes, Rafkin is bad. Parasite! <clears throat> oh, sorry, excuse me. Mm. <laughs> Anything that applies parasites is a priori good. So the other... I think the other difference, though, between the two, right, is like McMorning 1, I mean, in addition to killing stuff, it he is able to summon flesh constructs, granted with some you know effort. It takes three corpse markers. He has a summon, whereas McMorning 2 has that exact same ability. Uh, does he? Exact oh, yes. same ability. That's the same. Only, only better. <laughs> well, it's the same ability, but the resource cost part of it is really very different between 1 and 2 because of reduced, reuse, recycle. Um, mm, yep. You get to put one of those corpse markers back out, you get to draw a card, and uh, you are already incentivized to bring corpse marker tech in your crew. So you have a better source of the corpse markers and you have more ways to use the corpse markers. So uh, you're able to pull off the summon much more reliably or intentionally than uh, McMorning 1 can do it. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's true. Um, but the other thing that he adds as well is the upgrades. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Uh, yeah, so I said before that McMorning 2 is more of a support master than McMorning 1 is. Uh, and that support comes largely from the Desperate Plot ability, which uh, has two big effects on uh, its attack action. Um, it gives the model poison and moves it four inches, uh, or pushes it four inches, um, and you can remove a marker that came into base contact with the model during that push. If you use it on an experimental model, they get to attach an upgrade uh, based on the marker that's removed, the marker type that's removed. Uh, and these upgrades are stellar. These upgrades really compensate for the like poor stats, poor defensive abilities uh, that are found across the experimental crew. They up their resilience, they up their utility, and they make it so that you can move markers around the board more easily. Um, so I, I honestly personally think that this is the most important ability on the entire card. You know, and not for nothing, with this new round of mat the new title release, there's so many new marker types out there that having your master has access to ways to deal with them means that you are better equipped to deal with all these new things coming out than some of the other titles in Resurs. 
Absolutely. You can get so much utility out of not only your own markers, but your opponent's markers. Because um, reduce, reuse, recycle triggers when any of these markers are removed, whether you're doing the removing or whether your opponent's doing the removing. You can have it so that your opponent removes a shadow marker to trigger an ability, uh, and you get to draw a card from that. You get to draw a card when your opponent uses an ability. It's stellar. Yeah, uh, real quick, I just want a, a minor gripe. So, as a fan of Parker in Outcasts, his tumbleweed trigger on order in or chaos in the Badlands, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's chaos. Which is pushing him. Oh, well, no, it's um. Well, between him and Bass, they have this trigger that lets you remove a marker that you push a marker through. But there's so many impassable markers like pylons that Hoffman gets. And I'm looking at Desperate Plot right now, and it's just base contact. Mm -hmm. So you get to remove those non-destructible, impassable terrain markers, and you get extra benefits out of them. It's, it is bananas what Desperate Plot can do. Yes. And that's not even getting into the text of the upgrade cards that you get to apply to it. Which, uh, in my opinion, are com is complete bullshit. Because <laughs> coming from somebody that plays Marcus, uh, it's complete bullshit that Marcus's crew was intentionally made at kind of a lower level, uh, despite what uh, Josh claims. The uh, I feel the experimental keyword is not a subpar crew. There are some very good models in that crew, but the, the like Kojo attends no one would ever pay 10 soul stones for Kojo unless you could attach upgrades to him. And the saber tooth Cerberus is probably not worth eight unless you can attach upgrades to it. And like the upgrades, they're good. I mean, they're, they're pretty decent for Marcus, but I would trade every one of them for the upgrades that, morning gets and he his crew wasn't designed around them so uh, i'm i don't like this and i call shenanigans jeff, well, jeff has he, some salt <laughs> that sounds super salty but i i can't take the opinion of someone who says oh the experimental models are fine seriously like honestly they are i mean you do have universally panned you do have reckless move five models in flesh constructs that's really good that's not nothing the, the defense for willpower for seven stone flesh constructs, yes. Like, if things in Malifaux only ever did hit point damage, if that's all you ever had to care about, perhaps. But that is simply not the case. I mean, they're, they're ruthless also. They have no ruth. There, there is a running characteristics uh, with the Resurrectionists where they have poor stat lines because their defenses are so incredibly good. With between hard to wound and uh, the thought process is, yep, you're going to get hit, but you have so many wounds and uh, you don't have to use those cards because you know you're going to get hit, but you're never going to be hit, get hit at like huge amounts of damage and things like that because they're all hard to wound. That's the running thought with Resurrectionists. But, oh, no, 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 McMorning, no, no, we can't have that. We, ha we have to make them better. Well, I was going to say, now you don't have, now you kind of want to get hit when you have these upgrades, right? You still don't want to get hit because mm -hmm. the upgrades, they, they do a number of different things. They all have a, a passive stat boost. Uh, they have a ability uh, associated with them, and they also have a discard effect, which the discard effect is always reduce damage by two to min zero and drop 
a type of marker associated with that upgrade uh, adjacent uh, in base contact with the model. Um, so, like, the whole argument that, oh, they have enough wounds for it uh, would be true if not for the existence of min 3 models. Like, any, oh, no. any comparable cost beater is just is just going to take a stat four model down. It's like, oh, you don't have to worry about getting hit? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, but it's not stat four if you have too many arms. It's not stat four if you have too many arms. Uh, and you're not going to be taking that full main three because you can discard it to reduce the damage. Like, these yep. models are not great. Uh, like, outside of nurses, the minions in experimental are just not that great uh and these upgrades do in fact bring them up to a a playable level um i'm I'm gonna agree to disagree and say that his crew was very much at a playable level yeah you can you can gladly disagree with any competitive reser player out there that's that's that that's on you buddy that's on you (laughs) so brief brief note here listeners Help us settle this debate. When you see the post on Weird Place and we post about this episode, please chime in and let us know. Are they good? Are they bad? Do you agree with Josh? Do you agree with Jeff? Let us know. But, you know, vote, we're, vote for we're, Jeff. We're burying the spicy lead on this. Uh, I would say Desperate Plot is the most important uh, ability in the entire keyword. Uh, but the one that gets all the, the press is plastic surgery. You mean the one that is actually broken? Uh, only in very rare circumstances is what I would say objectively broken. But those circumstances do kind of exist. All right, uh, so talk, talk to us. What is, explain, for those who might have heard uh, McMorning 2, So Busted, and like people complaining about infinite combos and such, tell us what is the actual infinite combo that at least for the moment exists? So plastic surgery is a mimic on PCP. Uh, it's instead of mimic using a mimic ability, like, you know, agent 46, the doppelganger has uh, to t- copy power onto McMorning. It lets McMorning copy another model's power onto any other model in the crew. You can give, iconically the rogue necromancy attack to your nurses or your uh kentari uh two uh two inch engagement range and bonus on charges to your zombie chihuahua uh this lets you uh spread powers around and turn even your like smallest model in the crew into a you know engine of unparalleled destruction um the broken things you can do with it and there aren't that many like objectively broken ones but they're all like dual master tricks there they involve giving Seamus uh, a variety of different abilities that interact very poorly or very well depending on your perspective uh with the stuff on Seamus's card uh you can give him stuff like the shield bearer shield bash which pushes a model which lets him take an attack which pushes a model, which lets them take an attack, which and then you can see how that would go on until you miss. Uh, but the other like actually broken combination you can get out of this is giving Seamus uh, Vincent's cremation ability, which is target a corpse marker, remove the marker, replace it with the pyre. 
Seamus has the bonus action that lets him ignore italic text. So instead of targeting a corpse marker, you can target your opponent's master and remove them and replace them with a pyre. And that's a tactical. So it doesn't have a resist. It does not have a resist. Like I it, said, these are the two objectively broken things that can be done with it. I imagine it, those. Yes, are... objectively. Now, yeah. it, yes, objectively. Uh, it does bear saying that you have to be Seamus as your leader for that. So your opponent has to know that you, A, have access to McMorning 2, and B, are bringing Seamus 1 to even consider any kind of counterplay, which I don't think there is a counterplay. So it's like the ultimate feels bad gotcha. Yeah. yeah the, the counterplay in that one is removing the corpse markers on your side of the board. Uh, because if he can't do that, then he doesn't get to uh, ignore the text with his uh, bonus action. Um, that is the token counterplay. Yeah. Which is in a crew that generates corpse markers can be <laughs> somewhat difficult. In a crew that whenever you remove a corpse marker, he gets to place a corpse marker down. Yeah. So, I mean, these, I know, like, this has been a thing where the UK is like, oh, well, this is why, this is just another example why no dual masters. I I feel like this one will probably get fixed. Like, it, there's there's no way that that interaction was intended. Um, but, so, I mean, take it with somewhat of a grain of salt. Enjoy it while it lasts, you know, those of you listening. But Or don't use it and stop being a twat. Yeah. So, but tell us about like actual non-broken but cool things you can do with with plastic surgery. So, the the really iconic one is so far duplicating the rogue necromancy attack. Uh, probably one of the best melee attacks in the game. Uh, good stat, good bonuses, good triggers, uh, and just putting it on whatever model is going to be attacking next. Put it on McMorning, who could stone for a uh, pouncing strike. Uh, get six attacks out of your dude. Put it on uh, like the Valedictorian with Fast, and you can get eight attacks out of it if you really want. Though, strictly speaking, you can also get eight attacks out of it with just a flesh construct. Um, but there are some really good, just like in keyword uses of this ability. You don't even have to go outside and start picking up weird stuff. Uh, Kentari have an awesome 2-inch uh, melee range attack. Uh, min 3 damage on a charge. Great triggers. Um, I've, I'm also a big fan of um, duplicating the nurse's uh, seduction ability because of the small favor trigger. Uh, which is a obey-like effect for models that have poison on them. Um, you can use that then on friendlies or enemies to uh, get more attacks out of your models. Um, very solid. And these are all just like cool and keyword ones. Um, some spicy out of keyword ones are like taking the corpse curator's dredge up and putting it on the dead rider. Dredge up lets you push a marker and make an attack through it. Um, and you can have that attack be the dead rider's melee attack with the reap trigger so that you can suddenly kidnap an opponent's model from like Theoretically, 12 inches, 14 inches away. I think it's 14 inches away. Uh, and how it pushed right into base contact with you. Haven't tried that one out, um, but I've heard it has the potential for, you know, kidnapping a, a ley line runner and 
doing terrible things to them. And I mean, also when you talked about getting all those extra attacks, you said, I think you were like, Oh, you could get up to eight with the rogue necro. I think it's actually more because metallic arms, the upgrade that you can give out gives the model with it flurry. So you could, the eight is with flurry. That's like the valedictorian duping it, uh, has, has built in flurry. Yeah. Um, Give it fast. And then it flurries, so it can take four base attacks. You hit. Oh, right. Yeah. So four plus. Yep. Yep. Check. Okay. But you pointed out, Josh, earlier that seduction has that small favor ability. You know, that that has a drawback because it ends focus and gets distracted. But Rogue Necro's attacks built in positive. So you can small favor that Rogue Necro and get a free pouncing. We can't get pouncing strike. Never mind. But it's still an extra attack or two out of activation oh yeah no i've totally used that uh not even with plastic surgery i've just had a nurse standing in the back uh commanding a rogue necromancy i think this was, was actually in a, a mcmorning two mcmorning one pseudo mirror match where i had my rogue necromancy uh being obeyed to beat up his rogue necromancy it was a really amusing scene honestly okay so do you have any other like top line well not top line but like detailed McMorning his card related stuff or do you want to move on to the the other new model the corpse curator and the rest of crew building I think we'll go on to the the corpse curator uh he is another one of those pieces of of of, uh McMorning engine fodder uh providing a source of uh, corpse markers and scrap markers and terrain markers that McMorning can use to put upgrades on things. Uh, the the two awesome abilities that he has, uh, symbiotic relationship, um, which is the when it suffers poison damage, it can make a model in base contact suffer poison damage. So you can use that to just murder dudes or heal your own guys. Um, there's some like janky poison stacking lists where you put like a hundred poison on the the corpse curator uh, and just park them next to a dude and instantly kill them at the end of the round. But that's more of a McMorning one trick rather than uh, a McMorning two trick because rancid transplant. Um, but his bonus action is one of the things that I use to compensate for the the lack of uh, like instant field testing poison. Uh, the cursed sludge ability, which gives poison to models within a or a two. Uh, and has some awesome triggers to drop markers. Um, real downside to it is it sort of has the Chiaki problem, where it's a non-suited ability on a enforcer. So you're really, really fishing for those suits to get the maximum utility out of that. But even with that, he's a good source of uh, a variety of different types of markers that you can use to apply upgrades uh, to fuel it throughout uh, subsequent turns. Um, when you can't get a marker in that position, uh, he'll just uh, be that marker that you need. If only you had a two soul stone upgrade that would allow you to look at the top three cards of your deck when you activate. Yeah, but I'm not going to put that on a corpse curator. That makes him an eight stone model that... What, what is he even doing after turn one? Uh, like after your setup, what do you do? Um, scheme running, uh, because terrain movement, because he has dredge up, 
Um, so if you're doing something like uh, deathbeds or research mission, you can have them just cart markers from your side of the board to the opponent's side of the board. Um, occasionally, if someone decides to get cheeky and get up in his face, just park next to him and have a stack of poisoning on him that the zombie chihuahua just uses to, to nuke a dude. Um, I've used that to take out pesky models that had things like a uh, butterfly jump because you're not attacking the model butterfly jump. You're attacking your own dude. But yeah, he's sort of a, a engine piece that, that helps you get, get the set up. And I've, I've tried some game. I've mostly done games with him because he is a convenient source of things like scrap markers, which you don't have a great source of out of that outside of that. Um, but I have replaced him with other models, uh, that can also generate markers in some cases more reliably than the corpse curator. That makes sense. So what is the rest? What's the rest of the key models look like? And is it different between McMorning one and two? Uh, yes. McMorning one, you probably want a giant pile of horses to just charge at your opponent. Um, you don't need the, uh, like marker setup, you don't need stuff that generates markers for you because you know you don't have any real use for them other than McMorning one's twisted genius flesh construct summons, and that takes like three markers, and you just basically never get that with McMorning one. Uh, McMorning two crew building is, I think, this like very interesting and diverse. There's a lot of different ways you can approach it, and. The core, what I would say, the absolute essential pieces are comparatively few. Um, really, when you're building a McMorning 2 crew, there's the key question you want to ask is how are you going to generate your markers and how are you going to consume your markers? Because you want the markers to put out your upgrades, but you also want to be able to really leverage, reduce, reuse, and recycle because... Marker consumption abilities typically are very powerful. They're like summons or blasphemous ritual. They're stuff you want to have in your crew and you want to use uh, as often as possible because you have an opportunity to use them more often than you would in most other crews. Um, so that is what you want to keep in mind whenever you're assembling a McMorning 2 crew. How are you going to generate your markers and how are you going to consume them? Um... So from that, the core crew I use is really very small. It's Whisper on McMorning, one nurse, and one Kentari. 16 stones. And that it, and you just build out from there. The Whisper is really high utility on McMorning 2. Higher utility than I would argue than on McMorning 1. Um, because you can really get full use of all three cards you see set it up so you can land your uh, moderate TN uh, desperate plots and and uh, plastic surgeries. Okay, so what is so what is the nurse and the Kentari doing then? Uh, nurses are just amazing. They're like probably one of the best six soulstone models in, in Rezzers. Uh, healing, support, good abilities to dupe, uh, just, tools for the job. I want to jump in here and say, keep in mind, Josh said the original McMorning was in a bad place and has now said that the nurse is one of the best models within all of Rezzers and that the uh, 
uh, rogue necromancy had one of the best attacks in all of the game. Just pointing this out here. Okay, onward, continue. Yeah, you act like that's some sort of gotcha. Like, like people weren't already aware that nurses were good. Um, rogue necromancy has a great attack and then needs a giant pile of support to be functional. Uh, and you, in your defense, Josh, you did say that you did specify minions from ex- experimental were in a poor place. And I can tell you, I don't remember the last time I've seen someone take an autopsy or a, a little gasser uh, in a game seriously. Yeah, because they don't do it. Because they're bad. That's they're flesh, real the flesh bad. constructs are so good. Uh, people don't, don't even often take flesh constructs. I like, do miss the, the, uh, the M2E reactivating shenanigans that uh, the autopsies yeah. could do. That was awesome. M- M2E McMorning was uh, way better than, than McMorning 1. Vastly superior. One of my favorite masters. Um, okay, so you all right, so you've got the nurse. Nurse is there for healing. Kentori is what, just for the taxi and generally being an attacking model? He is a good taxi, uh, decent beater, uh, good ability to duplicate. Um, and really takes upgrades very well. Uh, the Kentari, if you can get past, if you can bolster its defenses and make it so that you can't, it can't just be cleared out by min three models, uh, is a really nasty force to be reckoned with. Uh, they can get in your face really quickly and, um, do just truly terrible things to it. Uh, they get a min three attack on charges and two inch reach. So they're likely able to charge more models than will prevent them from charging. Uh, minor correction, that's a min 4 attack because of Stampede? Uh, well, so it, that's a complicated one because you get the min 4 if you charge into base contact, but then you might not be able to charge again, depending on exactly where you started and if you have your bonus available. Um, Darn all these options to get extra damage. Uh, and with okay. the upgrades, too... You're, it's what, plus, plus two to movement? So you're at move eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You put legs on them, and you get plus two to movement and uh, charge through to get a positive flip on the damage. It's a two, three, four spread, so it's, uh, you're not getting the huge, a huge boost. It's not like a uh, two, four, five, where you're getting the, the plus two when you go to moderate, but I'm not going to complain about a positive flip to damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, they you are... can. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, they are frenzy charge, so you can, like, do your first charge and outside inside two outside of their engagement, get your min three charge again, end in base and then get the four. So you're a min seven on an activation. Yeah. You're, you're min 3.5 damage attack. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, it's or, a pretty good <coughs> min experimental. Uh, in <laughs> in fact, yeah. Yeah. You think a pretty good at minion in, in experimental. There. <laughs> <laughs> You, it's sad that you can still just take them out. Their defense four. I mean, it's like, oh, I don't know. How many things have been three attacks in the game? Don't they have like eight life? They have nine. They have nine life, which means something with men three is going to have to attack them at least three times and hit every one of them. Defense uh, but, but four. Wait, Jeff. But wait, Jeff. When they have the upgrade to be extra fast, they can discard that to gain armor two. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, when you put the upgrade on them, then they become uh, 
sufficiently resilient that they I'm, don't I'm get cleared on the single activation. I, I don't know what you like. I don't know if you've actually played McMorning, Jeff. I've played McMorning against you. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, right. McMorning, who are you playing? There, but, there's clearly some McMorning PTSD. Oh, yeah. Jeff, Jeff's just salty because I don't know why Jeff's salty. Well, in, in life, Jeff is salty. But, Jeff, Jeff, uh, is, Jeff, is, Jeff is salty. All right, boy. Um, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. It is true. Yeah, so, right. neither of the, none of these things so far generate markers except kind of McMorning 1 um, or McMorning 2. Um, Kentora, if it kills things. Uh, yeah, that doesn't help you turn one. Well, it doesn't help you in deployment to turn one when you want to put the upgrades I, on. I'm, I'm just being facetious. Uh, are you, though? Are you, though? So, you need some things to actually generate markers, and I take, like, six to twelve soul stones worth of things that generate markers, and that comes in a wide range of forms. Um, yes, because resers have no wanting of marker generation. No, no, we don't. We, it's actually a really good we have really good marker generation. You're I correct. I mean, yeah, it's, no. It's like it's the whole faction's thing. It's like the whole, the whole reason why that faction is there. Let's make markers. Typically corpse, but, you know, other things come too. Uh, so you you want a variety of markers in the crew because you need uh, corpse scrap scheme and terrain markers to put out all of your upgrades. Um, corpse creator, as previously mentioned, can provide uh, three out of... Or I guess technically you can provide all four. Uh, he counts as a corpse or scrap marker. Um, he just takes damage if you have to remove it. Uh, he can generate terrain markers with a trigger on his uh, cursed sludge ability. A great terrain marker, the toxic sludge marker, which counts as has just terrain poison one, so you can use that to spread poison around your crew. It's very nice. Um, and then you can just drop schemes because he's significant. Um, so he is sort of a one-stop shop if you want uh, all of your markers from one place, uh, but not the most reliably because it's a unsuited ability to drop either a scrap or a terrain marker. And, you know, 50-50 shot, right? Uh, I've got like three games in a row without having that necessary card turn one, even with soul stones and card draw. It's mm. always just shake my fist at the uncaring void, but the uncaring void does not care. It's in the name. Yeah, I know. Indeed, right? like it says on the tin. All right, so okay, so you have so you're making you're making markers to fuel the rest of the crew. You have a couple different options. What do you then do with all those markers? Like, who are the other models? So, uh, marker consumption comes in a variety of different forms. Um, mostly consuming, as mentioned, the corpse markers because that's what resers do. Um, easiest way to get that is you can just purchase it. Uh, Creative Spirit Touch, the upgrade uh, in Resurrectionist, uh, gives you Blasphemous Ritual. Um, so you can use those corpse markers to start pulsing out focus. Uh, you can also use them with the uh, Killer Instinct upgrade in Resurrectionists uh, to end a, if you end within a pull or two, to remove that marker and uh, get a Soul Stone. So you can just start farming up resources from those. Um, Guild Autopsy, strictly speaking, have loot their corpses, but they're garbage models, so they don't really count. You, you can uh, basically replace everything useful about a Guild Autopsy as a two-soulstone upgrade. Well, I'm just going to interject here. As someone who's played Prospectors, which are a six-soulstone model that spend most of their time 
dirtling and generating soul stones, having a model that can generate soul stones for you and eventually pay for itself seems not terrible. So the awkward part about using guild autopsies for that is the range on things. Uh, you have to be constantly chasing McMorning because whenever you remove the marker for, and replace it with reduce, reuse, recycle, it's placed within a or a two of McMorning. Mm-hmm. So you want McMorning to be up in the mid front field to actually use his abilities. So you can't actually dirtle with your guild autopsies and uh, then they just get shot because they are garbage defense, garbage wounds. Yeah. I would say in this, as someone who plays prospectors a lot, I would say the prospector is definitely better. Oh, it's better a hundred percent. But as a diet prospector, I thought that there was <laughs> diet a diet prospector <laughs> or you, know. you could just put instead of spending five on, on the, uh, the, Killed Autopsy, you spend two on Killer Instinct, which potentially has other use. I've put Killer Instinct on a nurse that uh, gets the benefit of um, Deadly Pursuit, so that you can spend two AP from the nurse doing stuff. You can spend it two AP on Seduction and still not have her fall so far behind the crew that she can't catch up to use uh, a bottle of painkillers later in the game. That's fair. you can get some. You can get some extra mileage for a lower cost than you can by hiring a guild autopsy. Even though they sound like good on paper, they're replaced by two soulstone upgrade. That's that's fair. Uh, other common ones: uh, summoners. You could use summoners to consume corpse markers. Toshiro, Sebastian, uh, to put out some useful models. Uh, Canine remains. Not the best summons in the game, but it's a six uh, crows to get one out, and they can be used to duplicate markers uh, mm-hmm. with their, their carrying away ability. You can turn one corpse marker into two corpse markers, or one corpse marker to one corpse marker and a card. And Toshiro gets uh, Ashigaru, which are stonking great. They're very good. Uh, they are among the best minions, at, at the best summonable minions in the game. Oh, uh, we hard agree. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I do want to point out, out of all the, all the hounds in the game, uh, Resurrectionists have the best hound uh, compared to the other two. That is such a low bar. I mean, hounds it is. are garbage. Hounds are very garbage, but the Resurrect- Resurrectionists have the best hound out of all of them. Oh, and that here means- I was thinking it was a low bar because they're size one. Yeah. I do miss... I do miss I guess I'm just in a apparently in an M2 uh, nostalgia mode today, but like I do miss that Nyx had that upgrade to take any hounds from any faction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk uh, about M2 nostalgia, I do miss Devour. Okay. Oh, that's what <laughs> things to miss. That that one's not the worst. Yeah. Uh, you can also like these are the really obvious ones that you can get what? to some of the more exotic sources of corpse mar- or of, of marker consumption. Wait, are we still talking about uh, M2A nostalgia? Because I miss Collodian Lilith. Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, well, oh, there's that salt. There's that salt. Lilith's not dead. She'll be back, I'm sure. Uh, but my main was Collodi. I hate everybody. P- perhaps you should have chosen better. Maybe. All right, I'm going to go back uh, to being quiet again. Uh, 
the like spicier me- methods of consuming markers. Um, I think Bed Noir is probably the spiciest. Um, because her her uh, bonus action um, that removes a corpse marker can rules is written target a corpse marker anywhere on the board. So she essentially becomes a three AP model. Um, to be able to walk, walk, charge, uh, and um, the other exciting one that I've tried is the carried emissary, which I actually have used as a replacement for the corpse creator, uh, because you can more reliably make uh, terrain markers with him, and you get a train, a corpse, and a removal for a bonus action. Um, once you've covered that, you can just go on to the rest of your support. Uh, models or beaters or whatever you need for your strats and schemes. Um, Rogue Necromancy for great doable attack. Kentari upgrades on these things. And I end up with like four to six soul stones at the end of the day. And within that, you got just a huge pile of flexibility in what you want to take, depending on exactly what you want to play. That... that does sound pretty exciting to have that level of flexibility. I can imagine that, though, is what you're getting at with the skill cap of this. Yeah. You really need to think about the pool and the threat you're going to face and how you can use the different functionalities to counter that. Like, uh, I'll, I'll have an example of the round two game that I played. Um, my standard like, morning two list was Corpse Curator, Mindless Zombie, Dirtling, to get upgrades and poison and everything on my own crew and draw a bunch of cards and yada, yada, yada. And I was going up against Ophelia. Uh, Ophelia does not give you the opportunity to dirtle. It was Ophelia in uh, wedge deployment at that. So you have even less opportunity to dirtle. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Terrifying is what it is. Um, so I had to have, instead of my dirtly card draw upgrade crew, I built a super fast uh, super fast crew that had a minimum uh, wind-up time. I was able to get my Kentari fully upgraded and sent on its merry way uh, by activation 3 by using um, the carrying emissary in place of the corpse curator to get all of the markers I needed uh, for all of, for four upgrades on two different models in one bonus action from that guy. Extremely efficient. Uh, less useful in the, the you know fullness of the game because you know he he's not great at uh, ski running because he's 10 soul stowed 2 AP model. Um, but great at getting models across the board to ha- harass your opponents practically instantly. And stuff like that you can consider when you're putting uh, your crew together exactly what threat you have, exactly how fast you need to go, exactly what you want to do uh, with your crew. And it's just borderline unparalleled variety of crews that you can put together with McMorning too. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, I think, though, we need to hear a little bit about the unpack. Because it sounds like with all of these moving parts of markers and you know, this model making a marker and giving poison to that model. The unpack sounds like it's probably complicated. Why don't we go to a quick break, let Josh prepare himself for this unpack, uh, and then we will explain what your turn one plan should be 
and how to disrupt it. Did you seriously miss the opportunity to say we're going to unpack the unpack? Uh, you know, I, I thought that was redundant, Jeff, but, but you're correct. All right. <laughs> Break time. All right. Welcome back. We all right. So for this, you were really aggressive when you just said that. I, I'm, I'm very welcome. I, you're welcome too, Jeff, and what? so are you, listeners. Um, I said yeah. you were aggressive. <laughs> I, I'm just so excited to hear about unpacking. It's you know, it's we're in the season of Christmas, and we're unpacking all these boxes. And I don't know. This metaphor is going out the rails. The boxes okay. are filled with limbs. what's in the box what's in the box oh my gosh it is actually filled with heads holy crap (laughs) Uh, you thought it was a ski marker but it's in fact filled with heads filled with heads all those extra heads um but it's like brad pitt's wife's head i hope not spoilers jesus dude am am i the oh wait i forget spoilers yes my bad if you haven't seen seven in the last 20 years my bad uh, Holy cow! Have to put that. That's blood warning. Jim can't breathe right now. Jim can't breathe. So, speaking of non sequiturs, you were saying, Josh. Uh, (laughs) Who's this dude that's coming on the show making me look stupid? (laughs) I believe the person making you look stupid is Jeff Mansker. I'm done. And moving on. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, the unpack, the unpack of this crew, um, as we were saying during the break, anytime in Malfo you have a crew that revolves around the synergies between multiple models that creates both opportunities to do cool stuff, but also lots of places where you might flub the, the initial placement or the order or the movements so why don't you walk us through a McMorning typical unpack and then highlight the places where it can go off the rails. So, like I said before, the important things you have to consider for McMorning are where you're getting your corpses or where you're getting your markers and how you're going to consume your markers. Uh, getting your markers is very degrees of complexity. There's a lot of different models you can bring for that. Uh and you need to know exactly where they're going to be, exactly where they're going to go, and where their respective markers are going to show up. So that you don't like pin yourself in and block your, your, your push lanes and prevent your models from getting to the markers or blocking your line of sight. So common marker sources, corpse curator, you need to end up in base contact with him. So you need to have like tangent lines to the base of, of uh, the corpse curator to be along the lines where you're going to want to eventually push your uh, upgrading models. Uh, So you need to have a lot of foresight there. Um, For corpse markers or scrap markers or terrain markers, you need to, again, have them within those those push lanes that you are going to have your upgraded models to go down. So you can't block your line of sight to the uh, the markers. You can't block your line of sight to uh, the models that you're going to try to target. so it's you really want to practice the exact positioning you want of these models. Um, this also gives your opponent the opportunity to to screw with you if they have really good alpha strike capabilities. Uh, a sniper can really screw up your unpack if you're 
planning on making multiple markers out of a uh, mindless zombie or using your uh, zombie chihuahua as a way to kill something to drop a marker. Um, so that's a great opportunity for your opponent to screw with your unpack, make it so you don't have your resources and put you on your back foot right from the get-go. Uh, the other part of the unpack you have to consider is getting poison on your crew. Jim, you pointed out that you don't get that free two poison. Um, and I was relying on things like the corpse curator to, to distribute that poison. So that's a really small radius. It's like a two inch pulse off a 40 millimeter or two inch aura off a 40 millimeter model. So you need to have your models in the right position that they can capitalize on this effectively. Otherwise you're not going to have your source healing and you're going to again, be on the back foot uh, as the, the game goes on, as the stuff gets worn down, as it gets consumed through a variety of different ways. So I have been taking to examining the boards that I'm going to be playing on and mapping out where I'm going to put stuff. Um, sucks if you're the you're the defender though because <laughs> then you don't get to plan you get to, you're at the fickle whims of which whoever is uh picking the sides of the board and they can they can really pin you in at that point don't you just practice all the possible uh deployment sides i mean if i'm made of time yes <laughs> Which uh, we both know you are, Doctor Josh. Uh, no, no, I'm made of I'm made of spite and poison. Um, time. Hmm. That's a that's more a, a Terra thing. Um, yeah, but yeah. So, well, actually, though, and even being able to plan it out only works for something like Vassal, where you know the map in advance. Like mm-hmm. for for an in person tournament, you're getting your round, you're showing up at a table that you just got assigned maybe you have a little time between the round to think about it. Like what are practical things you can do? Is it like proxy base out? Like, okay, if I'm deploying half my crew, I need to make sure that I'm leaving the right gaps for models. Like what things do you like to do with that? Yeah, I do the, the proxy basing. I try to divide the crew up in a fashion that, you have the models you want to be clustered together mm-hmm. so that it's easy to get the relative positions of things that you're not like trying to leave space for a, for a 50 millimeter horse in between two 30 millimeter models. And if you mess up, you've just doomed yourself. Uh, so these are the, the opportunities for your opponent to, to screw with you and for you to screw with yourself. Um, well, family friendly, family friendly. Yeah, when, yeah. When actually, that that brings up a good point, though. Is if the positioning of your own models matters, it's not just shooting you, but I imagine things like lures or other effects that can move your models even a little bit can then mess up your lanes or gum up your blob. Yep. Any of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you do have that problem, though. Not as many models can reach you with those sorts of effects super early in the turn. What about um, blaster type masters like Sonya? Like you mentioned, a lot of experimental have 
really poor defenses. Yes, the hard to wound exists, but focus also exists. And a model like Sonya can, you know, get that straight flip on you and just put a blast on all of your clustered dudes. I believe you have personally done that to me. Maybe. Uh, yeah, you just, um, in that case, you're going to try to weather that storm, uh, rely on, on your healing, uh, rely on your, uh, general resilience of your models to try to not just have stuff nuked off the board, do selective cheats to, to avoid things like shockwaves, but also, Part of my common unpack uh, involves getting three poison on a mindless zombie and using that to trigger horrendous corpse. So you can use a zombie chihuahua, or you can use other mindless zombies, or you can use, uh, what's his name, carrying emissary to poison and blow up a zombie. Uh, If you can get that three poison on him early, if your opponent tries to nuke you, you can then save yourself the AP that you would have to be devoting to killing your own dude to uh, get your marker out on the board. Um, Brief aside, uh, interesting thing about uh, horrendous corpse and poison and blood poisoning. Uh, Cheeky way of of easily killing off your own dude. Um, If you have three poison on a mindless zombie, you can kill it with blood poisoning, which would normally reduce the poison after that, which would take it down below the threshold. But if he's dead, that effect process procs before the poison's reduced. So you actually get to trigger a horrendous corpse uh, and also kill your dude with just a bonus action from your uh, one soul stone totem. It's very nice. It's an efficient way of uh, nuking your own dude without devoting actual useful AP to it. Gross. Yeah, that no, it's super gross. gross. It's horrendous, one might say. <laughs> that is, that's and there we are. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, this, the, the entire thing was just a setup for that. Yeah, um, yeah. podcast has fallen. Thank you. Yep. But the uh, the typical unpack that I end up doing for this is sort of the like four upgrades and a charge for McMorning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I I plan on having the resources and having the positioning to accomplish. Uh, this not only gets several models fully upgraded or a bunch of or several models well upgraded or a lot of models partially upgraded but it also keeps moving big morning up the board because that's another risk that you have with this crew if you uh spend too much time just like building up resources in your deployment zone really having the full-on dirtly unpack you're going to leave your slower models behind like kentarier move eight when you get legs on them uh, nurses can't really keep up with that if they spend a, a full AP or two in your deployment zone just buffing people. So you need to keep that in mind. You need to make sure you have a way of getting your models forward in some moderately unified mass so you don't have your horse overexposed and your your support piece that would keep it alive uh, stuck in your deployment zone. Just other considerations when you're doing your unpack. And that, uh, the the way, just for listeners who might not have the card in front of them, the way you're getting the 4X upgrade is quick reflexes on the desperate plot, which attaches the upgrade, is is what you're saying, right? Get the, use the whisper or, you know, cheating cards to get 
the uh, the mask trigger. So yep. you take it twice with each time taking it again. Yeah, that's why the whisper is, is so essential. You can, if you're lucky, weave masks that you just see off the top deck so that they're alternating when you're doing your initial cast. So you get your mask trigger, no mask, mask trigger, no mask to get your four uh, desperate plots going right from the get-go. Um, and then I charge. Usually one of my, either the uh, Kentari or the Corpse Creator. Um, because against experimental models, McMorning's melee attack does no damage, gives them some poison, and has built-in amputates to drop another marker. Uh, also has the perk of moving him up the board so that he's in range of things like Ride With Me or, uh, yeah, mostly just Ride With Me. It also is just a completely bizarre flavor scenario. You're like attaching extra legs to your guy and then you're immediately amputating them to chop them off. It's, you're, you're amputating, what are we doing here, McMorning? <laughs> this is a terrible surgery. Legs. <laughs> different legs. You're amputating different legs. And uh, is, it, is it terrible or is it brilliant? Why not both? Twisted, I think, is the word for it. There you go. Twisted. Insanitary, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... Once you've got your unpacked down, you can then spread out from there. And then you have mobility, resilience, a lot of different options that McMorning can can uh, pivot to different roles throughout the course of the game. He can do the support stuff, applying upgrades, pushing models back and forth. He can do the melee beater, duping a rogue necromancy attack and just going to town on things. Uh, he can even do scheme running. He has... Move six and don't mind me. Uh, he can just go over and start dropping markers if you uh, need a late game scheme runner. Uh, just the decision tree on what you're capable of doing with McMorning is really what gets to the uh, extremely high skill ceiling um, that I think the Experimental 2 crew has. This right. is when you talk, Owen. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Hey. Um, so, all right. So that's the top. Uh, sorry. So that's the the high skill cap in the spread out. What besides trying to disrupt the start should I be doing? Right. Like resers just historically are my uber nemesis. Although mostly that's been Manos and. All of other annoying, ridiculous models. In oh, you all of the other really good models that Rezzers have. Uh, yeah, I don't um, think you take Manos in this crew. If it makes yeah, you feel better, it, it does make me feel better, Josh. Um, but I could see you taking Anna in this crew. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Actually, strong synergies above and beyond just uh, gravity well hostile uh, environment. Yes. No, it's awful. Um, anyways, but how do we? What are we doing? What should I? Should I just be taking all the guns and shooting at you? Is that that is generically ext- extremely effective against stressors, and this is not really an exception. But broadly speaking, um, you want to mitigate his upgrade game as much as possible. And there are two ways to go about doing that, or generic ways of doing it. Uh, staggered completely shuts down his ability to put upgrades on things. Because a model's not moving, so it can't move into base contact with the marker, so it can't remove the marker, so it can't get an upgrade. Completely shuts it down. Can you repeat that one more time? Uh, no. Okay. 
Um, so real quick yeah. on that, it is important to point out that in the rules, a you can move a model zero inches and it's still counted as a move, but staggered specifically says you're not moving. So even if you're sat on a pit trap marker, you can't desperate plot your staggered model and remove the marker because you still didn't move even if you normally could move zero inches and count as having moved. 100% correct. Staggered completely eliminates your ability to put an uh, upgrade on a model using Desperate Plot. So that is a strong, strong tool for mitigating the upgrades. The other is trying to efficiently knock them off because taking the upgrades off the models uh, not only makes them less resilient it also takes away a lot of their you know bonus super duper awesome special features that uh really up their their utility and efficacy on the board um and there's a variety of ways you can do that uh ping damage that they need to resist uh obeys obeys are an extremely strong way of taking upgrades particularly off the kentari um because you can stampede on another uh, make them stampede on another friendly model and discard the upgrade because you just took damage. So you can uh, use that to not only damage your opponent, but uh, or but also uh, remove their upgrades. So once they're without upgrades, they are back to their normal subpar state. Uh, and from there, you take your like the standard suite of Know, high min damage stuff that you'd want to take against the McMorning crew to just take them off the board. And the fewer models he has, the less his support does, and uh, the easier it is to uh, mitigate his card draw, easier it is to mitigate his uh, support abilities, uh, and the less damage that he does. But don't waste AP trying to kill something that you can't actually finish off. Yeah, because it's going to heal, you're going to do dumb stuff with the nurse. I don't know. Jim, what what do you think? You've faced against this. What do you like to do? So this is actually a, a question I have for you based on some of our games. Oftentimes, it feels to me as the opponent that those upgrades plus things like blood poisoning plus you throw Gray Spirit's Touch on a Kentoroi, and it can feel really demoralizing to put a lot of resources into one, drop it to nearly dead, and then it just ends the game at full wounds. What happens when, say, you that, that scrum starts to develop in the middle, and you just go and try and cut through that support staff? You know, leave the upgraded models be for a turn or two. Maybe feed them a, a model that's tanky that can hold them up for a turn and just try and cut down those cheaper pieces that are giving the support, like the nurses, the curator, the chihuahua. Does it just, I'm just thinking, you know, if those upgraded models are what you're throwing into my crew to try and disrupt and deal with my pieces while your other elements scheme taking out those scheming elements kind of forces your super upgraded beat sticks to go drop scheme markers which seems bad for you is that a fair assessment yes uh 
the scheme runners for McMorning, like the cheat models, are not very good. Gassers uh, die like chumps. E even with upgrades, they still are dying like chumps. Uh, and if you're putting the top tier upgrades on your gassers, um, you're depriving like your Kentari of extra movement or uh, your nurse of trail slime. So it's it's not really a winning prospect to to put a huge amount of resources into those things. Um, and absolutely, once you take them out, you have your ten soulstone horse uh, running schemes for you, which I've done. Um, but you feel bad about it, and it is just not a efficient use of your your resources to do that. It's way overkill um, when you'd really just rather be killing. And that's that's kind of where I was, where I've been going with this, with the times we've played, because it feels like it's a waste to spend actions trying to kill some of your models because of how durable they are. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, I've I've heard accounts of people just putting ponderous numbers of wounds into a rogue necromancy that has damage reduction and poison on it and hard to kill and hard to wound and it's like no no you just debuff that model uh, just put slow on it put distracted uh, force a nurse to to have to babysit it to get it back to borderline functionality uh, and just just tar pit it uh, to the extent possible um, rather than just wasting your AP trying to kill it. It's like trying to kill a peacekeeper without armor pen. Uh, you can do it, but is that really the efficient use of your actions there? And you're right about taking out nurses. They are not the first line of models I typically upgrade. So they're likely squishier and uh, just such a important target to take out. They, That's messed up, dude. During COVID, nurses are heroes. You, you should not be taking them out. That is fair. Mm, mm. Agree to disagree on that one. Agree to disagree. Uh, but yes, yeah, take out... Oh, like, okay, the then. Zombie Chihuahua? Uh, I, I killed, like, 16 Soulstones worth of models uh, with the Zombie Chihuahua in the last game that I played. Um... Boy, boy could do some some nasty things if you got poison on you, uh, but he is like trivial number of wounds and a and a willpower like of four, two, two wounds I think, uh, two or three, uh, and a willpower of four. So if you can take him out, uh, highly recommend. Highly recommend. So what you're saying is you think the the zombie chihuahua is pretty good too? Oh yes. He's, oh. He is the best boy. Just just checking. Best well, he boy. is an enforcer, not a minion. Good. Oh, okay. Distinctions. Yeah, all right. I mean, yeah. if you um, want to compare him to, like, Earl, who is significant and heals and has chain gang uh, for the exact same cost to hire him in a crew, no real comparison. Uh, Earl is pretty darn good. Earl is um, ridiculous. I did have a question, and it's a bit of a pivot. Uh, but we've spent a lot of time talking about the unpack from the perspective of insanitary. How does that change, if at all, from classic McMorning? Like, what does his unpack, his turn one, look like comparatively? So you don't have as many considerations for positioning 
and uh, fiddly Rube Goldberg stuff. Uh, the real question you have to answer for McMorrie one is how much poison you want to put on things. Uh, if you want, like, I don't recommend spending a great deal of time like stacking up huge amounts of poison, getting trying to get poison ten, poison thirteen on on uh, McMorning one crews because it's just a waste of time and resources for what it takes to build those crew. Um, get a moderate amount of poison on things as efficiently as possible, and then just crush whatever's in front of you. Uh, Kentari strong for that. Um, you can use Ride With Me to deliver a morning progressively farther up the board. Um, so moderate amount of dirtling to a lesser effect, basically just to get some poison or some focus on them if you've done like a blasphemous ritual type setup with like a gravedigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just find some juicy targets. Uh, see if you can keep it to a fairly late activation for McBoarding so that uh, there's not a huge amount of time for them to attack him after he's activated. Um, and it's, it is way more straightforward. McMorning 1 is way more straightforward. Uh, because you don't have to worry about all of the careful positioning and all of the TNs that you need to hit. Uh, instead, just get some efficient poison on your crew and um, smash. Okay. How does that then transfer into when? Because it's sounding to me like you really feel that McMorning 2 is the default hire of the two titles. Like you're really looking to him and only at McMorning 1 either as a hired into another keyword as a anti-armor tech or if you just want to play, you know, punch, punch the enemy dude. When it comes to pools, is there a specific pool you're looking at that says McMorning 1 versus McMorning 2? Honestly, no. I don't think the pool will ever be the determining factor for it. Because any pool that McMorning 1 can function in, McMorning 2 can function in better. Uh, You're so mean to McMorning 1. Yeah, like, the... The scheme marker game or the scheming game for McMorning 2 is just vastly superior. Uh, the killing game, in certain circumstances, McMorning 1 personally can do better jobs on it, like heavy armor. McMorning 2 doesn't really have a hard counter to heavy armor in the same way that McMorning 1 does. But, like, you could still pump out really good damage. You could probably, and also, soak more damage because if the scheme pool is encouraging killing that goes both ways you have to not only worry about being able to kill them but you also have to stop them from killing you so uh, that's what McMorning 2 brings to the table he brings the increased resilience that McMorning 1 can't uh, can't really do in any reasonable way and that's why I, I just struggle to think of a scheme pool in which McMorning 1 would excel. Now against some matchups. Like if you're going up against Hoffman, there's a serious consideration of whether you want to have something that can just tear through an armored model. Uh, and Or I'll go back to that Ophelia game. 
it was a serious consideration of going against uh, Kin with McMorning 1 because he can just casually ignore the the shielded and also uh, have a stat on his attack that's sufficiently high to, to counterbalance uh, uh, bigger they are. So there it was a, a consideration, but that's master dependent, not pool dependent. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, opinions differ on on that. Whether you want to, you you are incur- incentivized to taking experimental models in a McMorning two crew, and maybe if you just want to completely ditch that, uh, you would uh, pick pools where you don't need any of the tech that McMorning uh, that experimentals bring to the crew. Uh, and just rely on a whole bunch of out-of-keyword stuff. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Jeff, any any questions or last thoughts on McMorning? Uh, I want to give Josh one last opportunity to retract his previous statement of experimental. Uh, keyword was not all that great. Uh, okay, so Rafkin, garbage. Autopsies, garbage. Gassers, garbage. Uh, Rogue Necromancy needs ridiculous support, which McMorning 1 doesn't bring. Um, Sebastian, not bad. Uh, Kentari, decent. Uh, better with support. Um, so, so two models? Uh, co- uh, and, and nurses. Nurses are legitimately good. Uh, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to let you know, because I've been doing this uh, here podcast thing for long enough, that whether or not you think a model is garbage is irrelevant. When you say something is garbage, you're going to have like 15 people that come out of the woodworks like, no, it's the best model in the game. Mm, yeah, no, that's not going to happen with experimental. They I'm should. sorry, dude. I, I, I don't, I don't know who, who you've been talking to or what sort of cocaine you're on, but like, you're not going to get that defense from, from for morning models. Okay. You know, if anyone has that defense, they should probably post it on your Facebook post they when should. you share the Discord, share the episode. We promise we will restrain. We will restrain Josh from saying you're wrong. Nothing can restrain. No, actually, they can restrain <laughs> I, me. It's pretty easy. I did have something that I'm surprised you haven't talked about yet. What? And that is the existence of projectile vomit. <laughs> Because projectile vomit is a, I every time I have faced a model with projectile vomit, it has done work for my opponent. I and yeah, I, no, it it's, it is a it really is good ability. Yeah, oh yeah, like it, it's great. Um, perhaps that is a testament to the number of things that McMorning can do. That projectile vomit, like if I'm talking about the rogue necromancy, uh. You know, it's the melee attack that gets the all the press in in uh, experiment in McMorning two crews. But you're absolutely correct, especially um, min three projectile vomit that lets you get around uh, or mitigate their ability to stone through it. Um, mm-hmm. I have I have won games because I landed a extremely fortuitous projectile vomit. Not a McMorning game; it was a cry game. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the triple blast, like, plus distracted and poison, mm-hmm. three damage. Mm-hmm. No, no. It, 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 is, it is a stellar ability. Uh, 
McMorning does get good access to it. Uh, you can summon the Flesh Construct, or McMorning 2 gets good access to it. You can summon Flesh Constructs to drop projectile vomit uh, wherever you want to put it. Um, yeah, no, I think, it, I think it's just an embarrassment of riches situation in this particular case, that there is so much other stuff to talk about with McMorning 2 that the projectile vomit, while amazing, gets... Uh, gets shunted. I mean, there, there's there's tech I haven't even tried out. I've done like a dozen games with McMorning, and there's tech I haven't uh, fully probed. I haven't actually done a, like a full-on hardcore summoner list, like the Toshiro Sebastian first turn flesh construct. Haven't done that one. Um, sounds really cool, um, but ha- did not do it. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm waiting for my next symbols game for that one. Mm-hmm. Which, is that round four? Might Maybe. If, if, if anything, it's going to be round four. Oh my god, it? you two are the same person. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, there there's tech I still want to try out for him. Uh, I'll probably put him on back on the shelf after this tournament, so I got two more games to give that a shot. Mm, what would be coming off the shelf? I think I'm going to try Von Stuck 2 next. I'd never really played much Von Stuck 1, so this will be sort of going in there fresh. Nice. Oh, interesting. Von Stuck's really good. It is good. All right, well, we will hear about that next on uh, Josh's Play One Master for a whole seat or a whole month. I'm, I'm calling it now. Josh is going to come in and be like, well, Von Stuck 1 was never very good. <laughs> Uh, his Jeff, minions, know, his minions. Know, like, God, Jeff, you're just the saltiest. Monster, <laughs> aren't you? Like, like, Jeff, who hurt you? I'd say, like, it was Red who Source. hurt you? It, it uh, was Red Source. Obviously, McMorning. <laughs> it was McMorning. <laughs> because, he, because he's so <laughs> he fucking good. Uh, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, I'm pretty sure you're just on. Are you on cold meds right now? You can tell me. If anyone was curious, uh, I haven't been talking a whole lot. I'm actually sick. And uh, so I've just been randomly interjecting things and telling Josh he's wrong. I'm playing the role of Herman for today. Perhaps you should go see a doctor. (laughs) He can prescribe (laughs) some extra limbs. That'll definitely help. Extra lungs. Extra lungs. Yeah, there you go. Extra lungs. Now, hold on. Is this going to be an actual... Should I go see an actual doctor or somebody that just has a doctor at Dr. Josh? Yeah, an actual doctor doctor, or someone like me. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry I, I only work with poisons. Yeah, fair. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, that is the McMorning podcast. Um, Jim, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Jim. We thank will, you for having me. It's been a pleasure. We will... Definitely oh. would love to have you back on the show uh, to talk about your favorite masters. Bayou. 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 He, play, he plays Bayou, right? I know. We we could use more Bayou coverage, actually. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Look look for a new podcast or uh, another episode in the future with that. But until then, uh, depending on when this comes out, if it is before the holidays, happy holidays to everyone. Um, if it's after the holidays, Jeff... You're slacking. Get on the ball. Uh, yep. And and have a happy new year. And we will talk to you all in 2022. Bye.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time.